Good morning and welcome to the January 2022 ADM Farm Direct Fertilizer Report. This monthly conversation is intended to help you stay on top of global fertilizer prices, buy in bulk at the most opportune times. I am your host, Zach Jans, and today we got BK Morris with us. We'll have Jake Nieder talk at the end, and Ryan Henry will give us a commodity update. BK, with everything going on crazy in the nitrogen world, why don't you lead us off, and we'll start with you from there. All righty. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is BK with Fertilizer Week. I'll start with urea. The good news is not so much that, yes, we've had another big decline at NOLA, but the global trend is a little more favorable to the U.S. market. And what I mean by that is not that we're suddenly priced to attract a lot of imports. We're not. And I want to emphasize that. Uh, But we are seeing some key global uh, indicators uh, move more in the uh, direction of U.S. prices rather than the other way around. Um, Specifically, uh, in India, we've seen the uh, price there come down. Uh, into the seven, uh, 740, 770 range on a metric ton basis. Uh, they had been paying uh, significantly higher than that uh, uh, in just some recent tenders. Uh, part of that is um, they they have managed their imports fairly well. Their stocks at the end of the month are predicted to be about 4.2 million tons, which for India is about where you'd, you'd want it to be. Uh, they will come back for another, uh, what we believe will be a 1 million plus tender uh, at the end of April for shipment in March. And that's obviously going to help support the, the global market. But if the if the Indians succeed in, in getting more somewhat more aggressive um, offers from sellers uh, for that tender, then what we're going to see is that there will be room for the U.S. to compete for product out of North Africa, specifically in Nigeria, et cetera. Uh, producers in the Middle East will still be better off going to India by 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 quite a large margin. Uh, Egypt uh, uh, even will be better off going to India. Uh, the producers that will probably still have some favorable reasons to come to the U.S. would include the, anything coming out of the Baltic uh, and uh, those other North African producers who are a little who are on the uh, west side. Uh, as I noted, uh, I, I'll just touch on the U.S. Uh, briefly. Uh, frankly, expect to see a lot uh, continued volatility. Uh, what has uh, kept uh, the the market uh, moving is is the uh, we've seen these prices come down. A lot of people have said, "Okay, this is just a, a trader pricing a cargo or something." Uh, but to be fair to those who have sold into this, uh, the fact is the the price rebounds have not been as large as the price uh, declined. So the, the evidence is that NOLA was overheated, and and more importantly, uh, from from our from uh, fertilizer week's uh, point of view, or more broadly, the global market appears to have been overheated. So at the very least, uh, I can say with a straight face that I'm not expecting a huge surge in prices uh, as the demand nears. Now that segues uh, quite well into, well, well, what about other nitrogen products uh, globally? Uh, the the answer to that question is uh, we just saw, of course, uh, Tampa uh, ammonia go up $20. This was expected. Uh, uh, global supply is coming back online, especially in Western Europe, where it had been uh, significantly reduced. Much of that production that's coming back uh, is in the interior, so it was never when it when it went down, it wasn't necessarily a huge player or impact on uh, on Tampa. But it's also not going to be a, a huge, as you can see by the fact that Tampa went up again. It wasn't a as it, that the return of some European production hasn't been uh, su- uh, sufficient enough to uh, change the direction down there. We do expect to see. Uh, lower prices of Tampa going forward, but uh, the twenty dollars increase, I think, was was the was the uh, ex- certainly was the expected move, and uh, we th- uh, you know that doesn't provide any support for for lower ammonia prices domestically. Uh, that might have to come from domestic producers if they switch their um, their uh, their output around to uh, maximize their their margins. Um, 
on the UAN side of the the, the question mark, uh, we're we're still looking at a fairly robust uh, situation. Uh, the U.S. is is leading the world on price. Uh, the U.S. has uh, somewhat limited, reduced, of course, its uh, availability. While Eurochem appears to still be coming here as expected, um, arrivals from other suppliers uh, out of the FSU are are down. Uh, we th- we think this is uh, going to uh, you know with 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 softening it does provide a certain amount of balance, but the question is when and if the domestic producers will cut prices and and Jake will address that. But in the meantime, uh, UAN is going to get weaker globally. Uh, the same way urea is and the same way we think ammonia is going to go. Not fall out of bed, not crash, uh, but it is. Uh, we do see it coming down. Uh, moving away from uh, f- uh, nitrogen uh, in uh, for a while, uh, we've seen demand destruction in India for, for DAP. Uh, we have seen uh, U.S. imports of MAP significantly higher over the first five months of the market year uh, compared to one year earlier, uh, up about 40 percent. And, uh, you know, that, that bodes well and appears to have done well to sort of keep uh, to meet the, the demand for MAP uh, during the, the U.S. fall season. The one caveat I'm going to put on this and the one somewhat bullish uh, issue is that while DAP uh, supply is also looking good. Uh, India is just playing the best destination for, for DAP from pretty much anywhere. We're seeing uh, Mexican cargoes go there, and certainly cargo uh, for of DAP that is, and certainly cargoes of either DAP or MAP from uh, Australia can find better homes, or better profits, I should say, uh, than the U.S. So things are probably going to tighten up on the uh, U.S. import side for phosphates. Uh, we're just not keeping up. Uh, we uh, Probably, probably will see some demand destruction as a result of price in the U.S., but uh, the uh, the it's not going to be enough, uh, or, and that will, of course, not not support necessarily higher prices here to attract more tons. So, uh, I can't make an argument for a surge in in U.S. imports uh, continuing um, in time for the uh, the best U.S. Uh, uh, fall season. Pardon me, spring season. Um, uh, potash. Uh, the, the world has, uh, you know, the U.S. to some extent led the way in sanctions on, on Belarus product after uh, the, the political issues that arose there last starting last calendar year. Uh, many other suppliers have uh, moved in line with that or taken simil- some similar steps, uh, most notably Yara. Uh, that means... Um, uh, Brazil is shopping for for potash from other locations, although they're not doing it right now. Uh, in fact, Brazil is out is pretty much out of both the uh, potash and urea markets right now. Uh, that has enabled again prices on urea we've seen come down, but it's also uh, made it easier for um, or made it possible for some. Uh, I don't want to say aggressively, but it certainly has led to some drift downwards in the U.S. potash price. Um, what is holding it up is that the Canadians have a great deal of demand for their product overseas, and that is, has made uh, what we have is sort of a, almost a divided market. We're seeing uh, a, a great deal of, uh, or a great deal of calm, I guess might be the best way to put it, in the southern U.S. that still has has access to imports at New Orleans, whether they're from Israel, uh, uh, Jordan, uh, and what was and the last of the uh, Belarus product, which should be arriving uh, uh, sometime in February. That uh, I expect will get our last cargo from Belarus in in February, uh, according to my market contacts. And uh, then, uh, then that picture may change for them. But the Canadian suppliers do have uh, some good options uh, going out of Vancouver, and that's going to perhaps keep prices a little more snug there than than we uh, than than frankly I would have thought a few months ago. Um, uh, finally, uh, I guess the the overall round. I'll talk about the situation in China, uh, in terms of their exports. They're still we still expect them to stay out of the market at least through February. Uh, some people still think they'll stay out of the, the export markets for urea and phosphates for beyond February. Pardon me, beyond April. Uh, that as soon as they start coming out with significant exports, that obviously will bring international prices down uh, for phosphates and urea. But of course, none of that's coming here, it means we'll have to see reaction from other suppliers um, at that point. And since the other suppliers, especially for urea and DAP, 
are are still uh, getting a uh, big offer or able to sell quite well into India. Uh, I can't. Uh, I really uh, don't think even if China were to come back in, at uh, pretty much. And stronger rates in April. I don't know how much of uh, that sort of reverberation around the world will will benefit U.S. Uh, prices per se. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to uh, tell people, oh, as soon as China opens the doors, uh, expect all the prices, uh, especially for urea, to drop uh, for the U.S. It, it frankly, uh, just may be a little too late in the process. Uh, I'll stop there and um, pass it on. BK, appreciate the market update. Boy, there's uh, just a lot to digest with uh, what's going on in the fertilizer world. But Brian Henry, um, I mean, you got new highs in corn. You got pushing new highs towards the bean market here lately. What do you what do you see going on there, and how can growers uh, take advantage of some of this stuff here going forward? Well, from the standpoint of taking advantage of it, the uh, simple answer is uh, go out and execute some sales, extend some sales on uh, uh, on these moves is uh, really kind of offering some of the better opportunities that, that we've seen. Now, there are a number of factors that uh, have been developing, continue to develop, but yet uh, one of the legs of the supportive features just really hasn't uh, developed yet. And in terms of what has been developing and continues to develop, I guess at this point, uh, when you look at corn and beans, you'd have to look at South America. And we've gotten to the stage where we're starting to hear uh, what I'd call the bombastic uh, estimates on what they may have lost for production in terms of uh, combined production, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, with some folks uh, indicating that uh, bean production could be down as much as 40 million metric ton for those countries uh, combined, and corn production potentially 20 million metric ton. We know for a fact there has been uh, some damage. We probably haven't gotten deep enough into the harvest at this point to really uh, have a good solid gauge of just what that damage is. But you're, you're in a situation where it feels like from a bean standpoint, and potentially, I'm a little less committed to corn, but potentially a corn standpoint where uh, you continue along with uh, tighter than desired supplies globally on this production. Uh, one of the reasons I'm not as committed to uh, to the supportive feature as it relates to South America on corn is the fact that so much of uh, South America's corn production comes after the bean crop is harvested in Brazil. And in terms of Brazil, uh, you're typically looking at a solid two-thirds of their production. So can we see a shift in the forecast? Can we see a situation where Brazilian corn production, at least at a minimum, doesn't get any worse? Uh, that is very possible, though we're not there yet. This news primarily uh, is is the primary feature, uh, concerns about inflation, concerns about a longer-term weakness in the dollar, which I guess ties into inflation, and then uh, solid domestic demand for corn and beans uh, due to profitable processor margins have resulted in these markets being able to take significant strides to the upside. The piece that we've been missing to this point if you want to look at corn and beans, you've got a situation where global supplies expected to stay tight, the pro and that results in a prospect for better export demand out of the U.S. And the piece we've been missing to this point is the fact that uh, from an export standpoint, we really haven't seen that develop just yet. Uh, I believe the potential is there. For this export uh, demand to increase, uh, U.S. It, as it relates to the globe in terms of uh, corn pricing is competitive. In the U.S. as it relates to the globe in terms of bean pricing appears to be competitive uh, April forward. So we're, we're in a situation where the markets have kind of, due to, due to the struggles Last year in Brazil, raising corn due to the struggles uh, 
last year in the U.S. in terms of uh, in in terms of uh, some of the shortfalls on production, and now due to primarily uh, South American bean production at this point, potentially longer term corn production as well, difficulties in raising it. You've got in, into a situation where global supplies have the potential to uh, remain tight. And uh, the markets have been thrown into a situation where they're on the cusp of having to uh, having to potentially limit demand. In addition to that, uh, uh, other features that are developing, though, in a messy uh, fashion, we're seeing significant amounts of uh, corn at times sold into Canada, with uh, Canada potentially taking four to four and a half million metric ton of uh, corn and uh, not a huge amount by comparison to what the U.S. produces, but it's a significant amount by comparison to what the Canadians will typically take in terms of uh, corn. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we're just, we continue to see a lot to take good in. Obviously, the run up for corn and beans. And the question we, though we have seen instances of where the basis has been able to back up a little bit a in conjunction with markets rallying, and, and that has to do with buy uh, now. Trying to address that question and give you my thoughts and opinions on it, and keep in mind these are just that, thoughts uh, and opinions of myself and based on what we see going on in the marketplace. So, I think the first thing that I want to point out is when we gave advice back in May, and then again in September. In these inputs, it was it because feels we like saw these very heavy government footing. involvement in uh, when the normal with the supply trade flows of or, fertilizer. Uh, the it was disrupting the what we would call the fundamental uh, originators, seeing China pull out with, of the global um, market as a supply source for NPK. Somebody continues to call and didn't want to talk about the corn crop. That has basically created a void in the eastern hemisphere for a major supplier. And so that now they should be Extending some Western sales, hemisphere producers who are normally crop. needing to and, find and liquidity point, into Brazil, into Europe, uh, into North America, if there's some things trying that, to push uh, people products like onto the marketplace. That's usually what gets us that winter time pullback from prices. Or, or get With sold the Chinese market we get basically closed up in all internal focus, and those work, Asian um, demand points basically being starved, and the Eastern producers that are there overrun with demand, it's pulling tons from the Western hemisphere into the Eastern hemisphere, and that's a lot to keep a very in terms stable of, market. Uh, the first thing forward, I would address is the policy or the rumor is this is all the, because you know, of pre-Olympic positioning uh, like a 708. Uh, I think that's a fallacy. My personal opinion is this is more energy even, related. Uh, the corn it's crop, more food price related. It's more five and a half. stocks and inventories uh, related. And so I do not expect uh, to see the Chinese government do anything different than what they've announced, which is to have a export We've ban on a situation where higher values they get into that May June time frame. To, uh, so when you to, start to, to think really about it from that perspective, the, the fundamental supply in, uh, don't change in global uh, corn in between now and spring season. Production What's the other big fundamental driver that, that we have to look at? Is why are prices where they're at today? And it's because of the European side having subsided. We're shutting down uh, European producers, here. therefore it, it the European buyer like, goes uh, into the market to take on additional the US, tons that normally we'd be competing really, for, really good and it's increasing uh, the price to, globally, to certainly and what we so that last gas year price in, in Europe and, and is really what we're calling to, the margin uh, supply to, point to, to the really, globe, uh, and that's really what's setting our price in the United Yes, the U.S. producer is making a large margin. They are incented to run all out. I don't believe that there is anything going on with U.S. producers where they're where trying they to slow down rates because margins are making are larger than they've ever seen. They're doing what they can. Of, and again, uh, they took a lot of turnaround of in that September time frame when a lot of this of, wasn't uh, clear. They made those decisions in, uh, back in May and June like they're going when the market to, uh, didn't look bullish and, forward and, ultimately over time and so all these changes we'll occurred to, uh, kind of at the wrong time, over time and drove prices to where it, we're it feels at. So like my long-winded point is, even with European producers coming back on, like BK alluded to, that we're seeing Yard make some announcements turning the plants back on, it's still going to be difficult to see a pullback 
Here's an example that you know, came through most of the fertilizer say, publications well, we really, that are sitting you know, I'm really going to wait out to three days of ammonia on hand the moon because frankly they and that's have one of our major global supply points just kind of like an opportunity and you know that starts creating disruptions and that could further affect the phosphorus Brian, I appreciate it greatly. So I think that's going to happen. No, do I think they'll find tons? Yes, but long way to point is inventories are low everywhere. Everyone's trying to manage their risk because these are unprecedented prices that we're seeing. Um, so what do you, you do? Know, talk about UAN, this one's a tough one, and ammonia, I go back to what my uh, recommendations have been coming, from the beginning. Um, what's that if look you can like? make money, and, you, you know, need also to work on locking well, in your supply chain. As it relates to forward buys on P&K and, and other prices, products, I mean, you what's your money, thoughts here going forward? I'm not suggesting that fertilizer won't be there in the springtime if you choose to wait. But for the point of de-risking your operation, I would recommend Turmoil. at least exactly. locking in the supply chain and working very closely it, with been, us and your very suppliers where, you know, to the, ensure the that you've got been very solid and your needs taken care of for spring. Seen, when I pivot away from um, nitrogen, some, and I think more towards relief, phosphate, if you will. I do and, think and that so our market from, has from a buying perspective. Peak. I don't see further uh, what, what do you upside do? Uh, in the phosphate market. I don't see downside until we get into that second quarter when we see China come back to the global market. But again, that's one the largest correction on the time to continue to work on there it. Does it does not feel appear like supply to be is becoming more available globally. On now, in the States, we still struggle to get imports um, here because of the duties, the reason which why may make it still tight here in the United States, less but producers globally it looks like that price is going to continue to remain firm. UAN. Potters, more similarly to how BK power sees it as well. We are level. definitely more Urea, stable more than where we were. So the producers are starting to catch up. We've seen uh, supply Urea, ramp up out of new capacity as they made their transfer in their mind. You have and that has helped make that are supply available to, to the market to the United again. States. The bullish factors uh, that would drive those, those markets up are probably kind of unforeseen events, bigger disaster type events. So I feel like those two product lines, we started to see the top of the market and expect it to stay firm. Days, we'll go through a build of inventory Europe period in the US into second quarter uh, to, of next to year. Resupply right now. On the sulfate side, and I still see that one as problematic. That's one that we kind of all think about period. at the last possible uh, minute. Sulfate has been a little bit of a breather in the market calling on tons from the imports. Especially like if you give it the proper said, value of the sulfur. And relative so I do still think that there is potential price increase on sulfate prices. And I do believe that we've had some production issues that are going to make inventory tighter than what we've experienced in the past few years. The, the not to the point of shortages, that's not what I'm predicting, but I do think there's going to be some that, tightness that from different regions in the United States. That we, Zach, we, that's uh, kind of how I see the market right now. We've it's had a tough market to navigate. As we think about what do we do for that transition period from to the end of second fall. quarter. I do expect um, and it's that beginning when to we paint see China come of, back in the market, we'll have a shifting of prices. We'll go back um, a bit in prices and we'll have we probably some new was, yeah, levels of where we feel a little bit more comfortable a lot of the price saying, hey, these are better values to think forward. And then we started to get but into a during point the spring where season, I'm we struggling to see a large downside in pricing today. So I hope that helps add some clarity for which way prices would go other than up. Now it feels like there is more pressure for it to, to come down. Now, I will say this. We need more urea to come to the United States. Uh, we are going to have to, at some point in time, incent tons to come here through the price being greater than the world value. The, the question in everyone's mind should be is, which one's going to do the work? Is it both, or is it just one versus the other? Right now, where it is January, and we're heading into February, and there's not going to be a lot of application and call on any prompt movement of tons, it's very unlikely that we see the U.S. do much work on a rebound in urea prices. However, if the market remains not buying through those periods, which it seems like buyers, including yourselves, are resolved to wait, then likely we have a, a snap back in the spring season because we wouldn't have sufficient tons here. Um, so, so it's, it's the kind of the, the chicken and the egg dance right now. And, and a lot of this is based on weather and timing. And this is where the forecast, you can just kind of throw them out the window. Um, it's almost easier to talk about what does next year look like than what's the next 90 days going to look like. We need more urea to balance the nitrogen equation in the United States. There's, there's price, um, there's, there's supplier control, not control, there's supplier pricing power, if you will, 
You're um, spot on, Zach. And I think don't the couple comments that have to come off that is throughout the producers making comments days, that they're tight on inventory. They've got to spend uh, the next couple months the refocusing season. on rebuilding inventory with the refrigerated we don't storage units throughout the pipeline rebound. system. We do Obviously, we've seen them follow through with price increases price that would seem to back up that story. And, you can take and so we do think there was a good application of fall on hydrosomonia in the corn states areas in the United States and Canada where they're not recognizing any form of the price pullback. You may not be seeing that at the farm gate. Um, there is some discussion whether there will be a reset even at the farm gate. It's a great However, question. I think that I both that back there because we we're not a student on the European farm economics. Make the what I will comment to, though, Ron, is yes, look they're facing this higher price system. They're facing a margin your, crunch your urea just as much as what the North American farmers are, um, unfortunately. Is there a risk the other thing I would lower? comment yes, to is a risk. they we're not do have access to a lot of nitrogen that is close, which is that Egyptian and Algerian market that's a lot of production available from those origins. I don't believe they'll have outages. The question is, will the commodity Price support the fertilizer they have to buy, and I think on, that they're struggling with that question as well. Um, turning to Beyond that, I think that might be quick. guessing at the answer Bonds, at the moment. Uh, it, it, it's definitely softening globally uh, as the well. The last offer now, we got we was the, the 890 metric, which was probably about four weeks market. old. And I think that today, Asia, if you had India, to look at what Egypt would offer, you'd be in the well over $900 They went FOB. So let's just play out that game, Ron. So let's assume we could buy 900 which I don't think is a proper assumption. Let's say we can those markets and we put vessel freight on that and vessel freights are still um, and, and somewhat so up. They've what, improved what a bit. I'm going to call that freight call it $35 right here. No $935 metric CFR in the United States prices are high. by 1.1023. None of the markets really want to build storage so they, they basically discounted to a point where you're shipping into the somewhere between 785 and 800 in the forward market, in and so it would indicate that there's still pressure on nitrogen prices to go up further. In the if global we have market, call now, on that global could be urea. as late as June. Urea is the balancer and of so all we may these not products. See an immediate the way I think the about the FCD is ammonia you can only do 4.2 million tons through the pipeline because it's just a fixed that, capacity. That's essentially what and we see in You just can't get that much so more through it. Stable-ish, near and you look at UAN and you say, Nola okay, UAN, we use about 10 million tons of UAN in the United and States. So one would argue that the world's got to make more of a downside. Then the other thing is that we always have about the capacity of UAN and what we're doing. So urea is the balancer throughout the United States. So. When I think about nitrogen pricing, is an opportunity I think about to buy nitrogen in pricing relative to urea because it is the product that balances our U.S. S&Ds. Uh, potash. Potash yeah. is one of those where it just uh, isn't going to make much of a difference what happens uh, in the next few days. We've got supply. Producers are going to other markets. They've got a tightly controlled market, but I would argue from an from a import perspective, we're a little bit on the heavy side. There's ample potash in the marketplace today to meet demand, so we could catch some discounts on the tail end if we wait. Um, I would just say make sure you manage your, your logistics value chain, and you've got uh, suppliers that will have it on hand for you. But beyond that, I can't paint a real rosy picture on potash prices increasing during our, our spring season. It, it appears that we have sufficient to balance the, the current marketplace. Um, Sulfate, real quickly to touch on, it's one of those that has not taken a correction in pricing. Again, fewer producers, less markets to import from, less importers of sulfate means for a tighter market. Sulfur still remains somewhat tight in the marketplace. We don't anticipate the, the producers to show significant price decreases as they are low on inventories as well and their production costs are up, particularly around that anhydrous ammonia production cost. As we all know, that did increase month over month. Um, if there is a price decrease in sulfate, it would be at the very tail end of season and not likely over the next 60 to 90 days. Um, so that's, that's what we kind of see coming with in sulfate from, from the various suppliers we talk to and work with. Um, Zach, I, I think when we start talking about getting into next year and, and what are the recommendations for next year, the major driver that we're looking at, whether it's nitrogen, phosphates, potash, is you've got China coming back to the market on an export basis, particularly around nitrogen and phosphates. That's going to have some downside effect to pricing. The one thing I would say before we expect a massive reset, and to go back to levels we saw in 2019 or 2020, is, is the fact that they're going to be controlled on how much they come back into the market. They've already uh, imposed some restrictions on the amount of exports. 
You have the Russian government also restricting exports. It's going to be a little bit more of a balanced market. So downside, yes. How much is still yet to be seen. And so we're not, we're not calling for massive price decreases on phosphate and potash as you get into that end of second quarter into third quarter of next year. Um, today, though, I would wait on looking to lock in unless forward selling grain, because then you can lock in a margin. Never argue to, to, to not lock in a margin, but I, I don't have a recommendation that we need to be stretching our legs and looking into the fall of next year as of yet. So... No, I appreciate that. I do want to touch on one thing you mentioned, though, Jake, and I think it goes back to logistics. Um, I think everybody is on this call is very aware of supply chain and how it functions and how it's 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 struggling to function here today. So, back to back to the point. I mean, if if you're looking at stuff for spring, I would encourage you. Jake made a good point with with making sure you have the logistics kind of locked in um, from the standpoint that it's going to be tough to get product in season. I just it, it it always has been tough, but this year it feels just a little bit different from the fact of less i guess less volume of of trucks and and rail cars moving in a timely fashion so that's one thing i wanted to point out as we as we move forward here through jan feb march um one thing to really kind of pay attention to is, is logistics and flows and and if if it feels like it's getting tighter it's it's because it really honestly is it's not necessarily a function of the market it's just there's not a lot of truck drivers that are w- wanting to move ag products here as of late so this that's about the only thing that i had to wrap up here today um we will obviously if anybody does have any questions uh you can unmute your stuff by star six uh feel free to ask and we'll definitely stay on the answer whatever you guys have to ask comments on that to your point we've not heard any formal announcement we've heard the rumors as well about the changeover i've not seen any announcement and uh bk you're welcome to just a reminder you callers received uh, one of the publication i I don't know if there is a changeover happening any comment on that real quick then i'll go on with the supply fire away yeah, this is Ron. I have a question on uh, if we apply urea. We, book, we booked our urea for pre-plant needs, and we generally put on some more urea first week of June. Would you be looking to book the rest of that now, or would you wait? So from our perspective, we're showing a backwardation, backwardation in the prices. The further yeah, you wait, the, point. the so more the price that discount is one on the South the of this May, type of rumor June price window tightness. I don't know if changeover and inventory and whether it be but inventory levels in general. So here, here's my comment. The, the South is usually the, and it is the last one to uh, really go. When you get a step very into those price runs, you're the last to buy buyer in the state normally because even those folks who are applying the urea in June up in the north and had that buy position that in May. Yes, over these and next so when you're talking your top dress rice run, most of the people have already locked in that spring top So then I back into the fundamentals of this market this year and I take out all of the production that the producers have not made during that June, July, August, September time frame, which is decreased inventories. I add in the imports that have come in to balance it, and I still find that we're wanting on imported nitrogen here in the United States. And Again, not the seeing interior, a mass lineup yet, how many, and you being the last buyer tells me that there's going to be a very empty trough that, from our pricing perspective. If you're not we taking advantage of blocking the that supply we were early, that's what it, it feels like today. Discounted to the say world market uh, well, well, we can import a lot of urea in one month's time, so and there's I, a lot of urea by globally in one month's time. If the price is sufficient to bid away from other markets, right now we're just kind of in the running with other markets. We're ahead of one or two, we're behind. Several of them. Right. So it kind of gives and you so a direction. We don't see a lot of inventory getting but, uh, pushed to the, the states spring right season, now. This looks I would like keep my eye on the amount of imports that come here in between now and All March, right. and you. that's going to be to me yep. a key hey, indicator how you play the south out. If it remains tight, because nobody really wants to be long this type of product at this type of price level, I'm of the opinion that it's likely going to be tight, and we'll be scrambling to find products. Do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't scoured all of your guys's periodicals. My recommendation is if you can. Make but money, I want to give you a I'd chance of locking one. in your supply and your supply sources to have it on hand. And you made another comment about 
people saying Looks that like if you don't have the ability okay. to store it, you just won't get I it. I can't hear you. Can you I hear me challenge now? to work with I other can. suppliers because I know there are okay, people who that. will forward um, book, right have now, it on hand, Europe looks and a little bit better set you. than they did, one say, of them, uh, sure a couple months ago because that that. they're bringing on uh, you don't some of their, the they're going to bring back some of their ammonia production and much of the ammonia production that's coming back is in the interior that supports nitrate production, which is and urea production, but especially their dry nitrate production, which is a big deal uh, for for meeting their demand. Uh, the we do expect them to still uh, need to uh, the, uh, react to what's happening in uh, the prices in India uh, uh, to, uh, to to buy from uh, Egypt, and we do expect to see actually a lot of the Egyptian production that doesn't go to India, uh, or maybe the actually better way to put it would be whatever Egyptian production doesn't go to India will, will almost certainly go uh, or stay in the Mediterranean. Uh, so, uh, as for Europe to be anything but a uh, not just a net consumer but almost uh you know uh, definitely uh, a a lower uh, export source with the exception of out of the the, uh, the baltic and black sea um you know that that's something we don't foresee right now they're still tight they've still got uh they'll they're still uh, a uh, arguably a better price for some products uh, right now than than the u.s is although they don't have uh, quite our appetite so uh that's the the picture we see over there is a is a as uh, a market that still needs to buy uh, certainly to meet their spring demand yep yep i i would agree that the with the that same comment bk i i think that the only buyer or home for the north african producers of nitrogen right now are going to be mostly mostly uh europe uh north america and then a little bit of, of some south american demand so i think we'll see some cargoes find their find their way into Europe and and will probably have the ability to they'll have the ability to get caught up. Now there was a lot of production lost. I think they're gonna be short ammonium nitrate or nitrates over there in that marketplace. And that could uh increase the, the amount of demand that we they see go towards urea. But uh there is capacity to bring it in uh and but they'll have plenty of logistics issues behind it that will create some price crunches. I, I I think that the the bottom line is, though, for the U.S., there's not probably sufficient buying to take out all of the North African demand that we we don't see that we that we don't get tons we need as well from that marketplace. So, if the natural gas out of uh, Russia going into Europe gets slowed down, do they still have enough uh, nitrogen? That that that's a great question. Um, lost a little bit of sleep over that one. We're we're planning on a boat to come out of Russia loading in March, um, so I, I'm watching it closely. You know, if, if there are uh, geopolitical issues that uh, that I'm not an expert to talk on that happened, uh, you know, if sanctions occur, uh, Russia cuts off gas supply to Europe, that would massively change the S and D. It would create uncertainty. But you still go back to there's a lot of production in North Africa up for grabs in those markets. The, the question goes back to is there's going to be a logistics scramble that, that Europe's probably never felt before, similar to what we went through in 2019. Most of you probably eventually got your product, but it was a logistics nightmare to get it done. And we saw you know, truckloads coming from Toledo, uh, Ohio, all the way out into North Dakota, that's the type of thing you could see happen over there if, if they had, you know, gas supply issues. Good question, Ron. Thanks. Anybody else have any questions? I have a question. Hi, my name is Randy. Um, I heard this is box in of, Central um, Illinois. Oops, sorry. Uh, hold on. We got, we got uh, Randy going first, hi. then we'll, we'll go with the next one. So Randy, you got the floor. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I heard talks of um, you guys putting, uh, possibly putting a blender in the St. Paul plant. And I was just wondering if you had any updates on that. Yeah, yeah, good question, Zach. You want to talk yeah. about that one? Love to. Yeah, we are putting a, we are putting a tower blender up in St. Paul. Um, it should be fully operational sometime in June. Um, we're hoping to catch that top dress season. Um, but from the most part, we're, we're planning on a, on a good fall season out of St. Paul. It will be a Sackett Waconia tower. It will be able to blend somewhere between three and 400 tons an hour. 
So we'll be able to, to utilize micros and, and treat urea. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good, good, good tower to utilize. Yeah. Thank you. We, we, if, if it's ready for spring season, we'll, we'll let people know, but we're not going to pre-sell out of there because we, we want to make sure it's working first. So definitely. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks, Randy. Now there was a question from a gentleman in Illinois. I believe yeah, this is Vince yeah. Dig down here in Illinois. And this is, um, you know, you started to talk about logistics issues and, and, and whatnot. And I thought I would um, <clears throat> jump in with a question real quick regarding barge freight. You know, we've seen barge freight on the grain side, you know, start whittling away at basis levels, um, mid miss and upper Illinois, <laughs> all of it really. Um, and most of what I've heard is that it's a northbound programs that, that are, you know, kind of, tying those barges up uh it, it, most of that's fertilizer i'm sure it's not all fertilizer but according to what i've been told i'm just curious if you have any thoughts on you know when those logistics maybe ease up a little bit on the northbound stuff so that we can get barges um you know barge freight maybe back to normal and just anything you can throw in there would be helpful i guess yeah so so there's definitely been some logistics crunches on on the barge front um from from what i've observed we we have you know, from our book at ADM, we have a lot of rail cars ready to load and, and head to particularly the northern plains in Canada. We're supplying a lot of product up into there. And, and so we've got a very healthy book of barges sitting in and around St. Louis waiting for rail cars to come in. And as those rail cars come in, we're loading them, offloading the barges and sending them back down the Gulf loaded with grain. Um, that, to me, is representative of what the biggest bottleneck is right now is the rail cars. Um, the barges are getting bottlenecked slightly because they're not getting offloaded as quickly. Uh, from what I've heard from others in the industry, that seems to be a common theme. Um, I think that what you're going to notice is because of that common theme and everyone carrying a little bit of backlog of shipment from that Jan to Feb, Feb to March, not many of us are very comfortable selling additional April May tons delivered in that peak seasonal window. That's kind of the the uh, it takes away our surge capacity, if you will, and we've got to get caught up with our orders by that point in time because that's kind of shipping critical window. So I know from our perspective, we're a lot more leery. Um, we're a lot more leery in making sales for May and June, or May, actually April May, uh, on rail, just because we're waiting for cars. So you asked a barge question. The real problem is the cars to offload the barges has been the big bottleneck. Um, so I think we're representative of what a lot of others are facing because um, as we go scramble for cars, we're running into competitors looking for cars. So we kind of know that's a, a similar issue across the industry. The other questions? Thank you. Yep, thank you. Hi there, can you hear me? I can. You uh, just had a question on UAN in regards to uh, urea on a price per pound basis. Will will the downward slide in urea force the UAN price to slide down a hair as well uh, to compete? Because uh, it is about a 30% roughly uh uh, positive side to urea right now. It's uh, <laughs> the million <laughs> dollar question, isn't it, Jake? <laughs> it, it is, and and I've, I I can argue both sides of it. Um, what my gut tells me and experience tells me is that you have a lot more price uh, pricing power at the level of the suppliers on UAN that they have the ability to export tons to store to wait for the market than what urea producers do. So I'm more of the opinion that UAN doesn't do much of that work in the price spread. Um, the other thing I would, I would mention too, and we talk a lot about switching inside our camp, and, and some of you folks can probably relate to this. If you're in, a, if you're in a, 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 an ammonia and UAN state where that's what most of your retailers are offering, when you go in there, those are priced relatively close to each other. And then what you'll find is even though urea is cheap, the price there in your local market's not cheap. And so they've kept that spread actually very much in line with UN and urea, partly because they don't want to handle it. They've not invested into the, the equipment to handle urea. They've invested in the equipment of handling UN and ammonia. So my long-winded point in going down that road was that I don't think the spread that we see at NOLA 
versus Yuan and Maria is as large as it is in the interior when you go to price it out from the retail level. Therefore, I'm not saying there should be that much switching from product to product. Now, our opinion is Urea is the better buy. People should look at it if they have that ability to switch. There's some of you on the call, though, that no matter how cheap it is, you're just not going to monkey with it because you prefer one over the other. And um, that's, that's kind of what we run into. Even though this is a commodity product, there's still a lot of preference on this commodity. I hope that answered your call or your question. Sorry. Yes. Thanks. Any other questions out there today? Good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. Jonathan here. So when ahead, is a good time to buy in? When is a good time to buy in for twenty twenty three? Great question, Jonathan. I mean, it, I think if I understand Jake's if I understand Jake's comments here from earlier, it, I just don't know if we're there yet. Um, it, it's going to be very tough to to tell you when to do that because there's so many things that could happen in the next. 90 to 120 days that could dictate the direction of the market from corn acres, from supply issues, from whatever. That I just, I, I just think, uh, I just don't know if we're there yet to, to really f hone in on a certain time frame to buy in for 2023. Jake, you can correct me or step in where, where you think if I'm wrong there, but. Yeah, no, Jonathan, I appreciate the question. It's one that we look at a lot. I, I would uh, say go spend your money in somewhere tropical right now than worrying about 2023 <laughs> fertilizer. Um, but but I would say this, though, and, and Brian, I'd, I'd appreciate your insight in this. I, I don't know what the forward board looks like for 2023, but I would recommend this. If you're looking at selling your commodities forward, you should look at buying your inputs and locking in a margin because the margin spread is is okay. It's not as good as it's been, but it's been okay. And as as these forwards of fertilizer, the forward prices of fertilizer has corrected some, it's, it's put a little bit more margin back on the side of the table for you. Is it as wide as it's been? No. I don't know if we'll see that again. The biggest reason why we're hesitant to make an answer is that the, the, probably the biggest driver to, ch to the price on urea and phosphates is going to be China. We just don't know how that 800-pound gorilla is going to land yet. And, and so we got to get a little closer to that period before we have a good feel on that, Jonathan, on what's pricing going to do for 2023. Thank you. You bet. Anybody else have any questions? Yeah, this is John calling from the Iowa. Uh, along those lines of not knowing what. Hey, it's uh, Mark from up in Saskatchewan. Hello, hold on one second, Mark. Um, caller from, I believe, Iowa. Can you speak in your phone a little bit? We're struggling to hear you, sir. Oh, yeah, I got a question. Uh, is that bad? One second, sir. One second, sir. Uh, we got uh, a six four one seven nine nine one seven three three trying to ask a question. Bear with us one yeah. second. We'll get to all you guys. Can you hear? Can you hear me now? Yep, that's a little better. Okay, yep. So, uh, so yeah, uh, along the lines of not knowing what China's going to do here, uh, I'm a producer. I haven't booked any phosphate here yet. And uh, I guess the question is, with that in mind, um, this, I want to say a cuss word in the industry, but what about a uh, phosphate uptake enhancing product like Avail uh, with the understanding that at some point you do have to put the phosphate on. If you could use products like that, that would delay feed for as much this, this uh, season and then put more on in 2023, I guess. Uh, do you have any, does anyone there have any experience with that type of a strategy? Yeah, so... To be honest with you, sir, what, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to take down your phone number. I'm going to have an, a, one of our um, kind of CCAs reach out to you and have a conversation with that. Um, I, okay. I, I, I guess I personally, I don't know, Jake, if you have any experience with the veil, but um, I, I personally don't, and I, I want to make sure we get the answer that you're looking after, uh, looking for there. So Yeah, Zach, I, I, I okay, would yeah, that'd be great. We'll, we'll definitely have a, one of our agronomists reach back out to you and have a conversation with you. 
my my personal bias and, and a majority of the team members here is that we we're not selling avail because the the data behind the um, the yield increase or the efficiency is still somewhat uh, questionable um, in in our opinion, right? So there's some people that stand behind and believe it. Um, as you notice, we we're willing to sell contain, agrotain, and a lot of other nitrogen inhibitors uh, because there is good science behind it, backed by university studies. Um, yes, if you I feel that that's the case with Avail, then then I would I would say go for it. We just weren't comfortable with that uh, at ADM to say, hey, let's run with it. I'm hopeful more okay. products like it come on the marketplace with a little bit more uh, scientific rigor. Okay. Um, what I would recommend, though, and I, I get your question, is how do, how do you save a little money on the phosphate budget this year? And yeah. uh, and then, you know, save save the powder for another day. Right. You know, I, I, I rarely recommend reducing rates. I'm not really recommending that, but I would definitely say I would apply for, for replacement, and I wouldn't be looking to increase my my soil levels this year or, or yeah. banking it into a savings account, that much is, is kind of a, a given, given how high the price is on, on phosphate this year. Yeah, that's my present strategy. And, um, you know, I used the veil about a decade ago, I think, when the, when the prices spiked. Um, so I didn't know if that – and I didn't have a feel very well if it was effective or not, honestly. So, so, uh, so I was just curious to see, you know, what the – you know what the mood was, I guess, for it, and in, in your side of the equation. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain we have some growers on here that would swear by it and that do use it, and and I'm certain that there's some growers on here that have had a similar experience to you. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll have someone that with a with a actual some credentials call you and have a little more conversation on that. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Four hundred three number. You were next. I believe it was Mark from Saskatchewan that was next. Yeah, it might have been. Yep. Okay. Uh, sorry, and I apologize if this is a repeat on the question because I did jump on late. How do you see uh, some of the tariffs on phosphate coming into the U.S. going forward playing out? And how do you see this potential European conflict impacting uh, already purchased deliveries? Yeah, good, good question. On the uh, on the phosphate uh, duties, there has been no change to it yet. I know that there are some active um, there's active litigation going on right now where where those companies that were uh, had duties issued against their production are are trying to work to get back in here to the United States. But there has been no change to those tariffs or uh, countervailing duties, rather, and there likely won't be until five years from the point it was issued. The only change that would occur would be if they were to be to prevail it in a lawsuit, and uh, that's going to take some time. I don't see that changing in the next few months, and I'm not willing to bet that it's going to change for the fill period that we'll experience in the fall of 2022. Um, I, I expect those duties to still be in place uh, and, and effective. Now, to the European conflict, I, I, I um, to, to, to bring the point on here, that that is one that is a major driver if it continues to get worse. And, and I think that we see sanctions from Russia. That's a huge pipeline, not, not only to Europe, but also to the United States. We saw sanctions on gas from Russia into Europe, which that would be a, a very hard thing to understand and fathom because that's a good chunk of their, their heating supply. Um, Basically, Europe's in a hard place there from a from a natural gas perspective, and so how it affects the market is, I mean, you can create a lot of different scenarios. Just know this, that if something happens, it's going to create uncertainty. Uncertainty usually leads to higher prices, and that much I feel confident saying that that could become a driver in the next 60, 90 days if it, if it heats up. Thank you for the question. All right. Uh, anybody else have any more questions? I'd just like to make a comment about the guy that was talking about cutting back your phosphorus rate. And I would suggest just from an agronomy standpoint, making sure your pH levels are where they need to be because that can really tie up some of your phosphorus. 
and cutting back on rates a little bit, you can mitigate some of that by making sure your pH is correct. Thank you. Appreciate that point. That is a great point. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, for, you know, we talked a little bit about, you guys talked about backwardation. Um, you know, we're, we uh, primarily use ammonia in our operation as a major source of nitrogen. Would you would you just tend to lean towards, A, would you book side dress tons now of, of, of ammonia? Um, and, and the second part is whether or not, I mean, we could side dress all the rest of it, sort of that May, June time frame versus sort of a April uh, pre-plant window. What's, what would your thoughts be on, on that? Uh, on ammonia, hope is the strategy uh, for a price decrease. So, so the problem there is you've really got three producers of ammonia in the United States, and you have a very consolidated pipeline of ammonia distribution. The, the ammonia price has the ability to remain stubborn and firm, and with the industrial demand having been as strong as it has been since seeing no change in that in the short term, um, it, it's going to continue to have a very strong pull on ammonia here over the coming weeks, months, and days. Um, I think a lot of people are in your same camp having missed some of the, the, the fill buying opportunities at, at much lower levels and have been frustrated, and there's a lot of pent-up demand. When that demand starts to manifest itself, we'll certainly find uh, any kind of price stability at that point in time. The winter months are usually when you find your discounts, and, and I think that if there is a discount to be had, it's over the next 15 to 30 days if you have storage of ammonia. But if you're hoping for yeah. in-season spring discounts, I, I would argue that it's going to be tough to come by. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yep. Anybody else have any questions? Uh, Rod here from Saskatchewan. Fire away, Roger. Uh, Rod, yeah. Um, okay, uh, so far, far as UAN goes in Saskatchewan or in Canada, I guess, How's the supply looking for spring? I know just looking around here, it seems like all the retails are, are full to the brim. Um, myself, I haven't bought any yet. Um, kind of hoping the price would soften a bit. And uh, I'm just wondering, going into spring, what kind of strategy in Canada would be a good idea for UAN? Uh, wait it out a bit or perhaps uh, buy half or maybe or maybe fill to the brim like the retails did, but I think they did it at a lower cost uh, probably, and it just was shipped here lately. So what would the strategy be for a guy like me? Yep, good question. Uh, Brock, I'm going to ask you to to speak a little bit about this. You might be a little surprised on that if you're you're with us. Um, Brock, what would you say that local market supply on on UAN feels like? You're probably a little bit more in touch with that than I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not my bread and butter, but I know it's it's a very tight market. Um, getting firm prices from anyone right now seems to be very difficult, and seems like supply is going to be very constrained. So the the odds of it dropping here in a, in a significant way, I, I really don't see it being likely. Um, and that you should secure your needs um, as soon as you can, one way or another. Um, you might have to bite the bullet and compare your price per uh, per pound of N versus your alternative nitrogen sources if you can switch. Um, but yeah, the tra- chances of it dropping here in the short term, I think, is is pretty unlikely. I, I would I would tend to agree with what Brock said too, because you've you've really got two suppliers of UAN into that marketplace. Um, they have managed their sales book relatively well and, and taken a decent amount of forward volume, like you just discussed, shipping out to the to the local retailers. Um, there, there definitely seems to be a, a continued uh, stubbornness in the UAN pricing from the, the producers, and and I don't I don't get in a feel that there's going to be price softening. If there is, it's in the next fifteen twenty days, and the closer we get to spring, the more they're gonna they're just gonna. Write it out. 
Okay. A lot of those plants have the ability to, 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 you know, kick out a little extra ammonia or to granulate a little higher UAN or urea capacity to balance it, and that's kind of how they manage that risk and instead of just flooding the market and forcing price down. Okay, fair enough. Well, you, Anybody uh, else? Have one more question. Yeah, go I ahead. Just one more question, if, if I can. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, there's lots of talk about natural gas and all that, high prices, blah, 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 blah. The prices of natural gas have come down significantly, I guess. Um, I was on a webinar yesterday, and uh, kind of the comment that was made, it's not the natural gas prices that are the issue here, because a lot of contracts are locked in long term. It's the price of corn. If you want to follow urea prices, watch the price of corn, because when corn is high, urea prices are traditionally high. When the price of corn falls down to 4 bucks, guess what? The urea falls as well. What's your comment on that? Uh, definitely uh, that that uh, fertilizer is the tail on the dog, and that, and that the corn would be the dog that wags the tail. Um, I, I definitely believe that Nitrogen is going to be driven. Its pricing will fundamentally be driven by the demand of the corn acre. That's one of the biggest fundamental drivers. Now, when when we talk, and that's that's kind of in this this uh, staging season of, of basically July through February. Then, when we get into application season, March through June, all bets are off. And then it's about what's that local market product that's driving it. You know, in the, in the, in the Delta, which we have some callers on in the Delta, they care more about the cotton acre or the rice acre. And that's going to drive that local market call for urea more than what the corn market will do. But in the, in the planning phase and in the managing of the S and D's, which we're talking about where will prices go, corn is definitely the key input driver to how we basis this. So right now the the outlook on corn's been pretty solid from prices. Um, we've had some some crop acre issues in, in Latin America, right? That that Brian talked about, and so that's remained a firm market. So that's kind of why we're saying there is downside in these commodity prices, but maybe not as much as what we thought. But the other big factors in those geopolitical issues, which is China and a huge supplier to the global market, coming back in that would, would create some additional price pressure. That's, that's why we're kind of uncertain on what does that second, third quarter look like for reset values. I, I think this time last year, we started to get a feel for the fact that you need to start looking at fill values in kind of that February, March time frame, and that's when our recommendation came out. Right now, the uh, Magic 8 ball's really cloudy, and I uh, wouldn't have that recommendation, so... Good question, good comment. I, uh, definitely corn drives the, the nitrogen prices. Anybody else have any more questions? I had one that was Randy and Iowa. Um, I, in light of all the things you talked about, I wondered if you could uh, just um, speculate on the next 30 days specifically for urea price with sideline demand, weighting, and logistics, and commodity price, all those things, how do you see that, or the key drivers in the next 30 days of price? Yeah, I, I see the next 30 days looking like a, a downward move on an escalator, followed by an upward move on an elevator. Um, I, 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 I think that when prices are coming off like they are right now, everybody does the typical, you know, if I would have asked you 60 days ago what your buy number was on urea and you were in Canada, you probably would have said 1250 And And today, the numbers have hit 1250 and below, and you probably wouldn't touch it. If you were in the middle of the United States and, and, and I said, you know, the urea buy number is an 800 and, and your buy number then was maybe 780 well, we've gone past that, you still probably wouldn't touch it today. The problem is, is, is now, while it's the coldest, it's the hardest to move product, this is the time to lock in that demand. And that's really what, what I hope one of the key messages is today, is this is the time to really think and pencil it out. Should you look at locking in relative to what you're going to make and plant, this is the, usually the worst time for the producers. When you get into May, June, July, they're selling every day. They're not going to cut their prices. That, that rarely happens. If it does, there's some black swan event that, that 
you know, I'm not smart enough to see coming. Um, or, or anybody on this call probably smart enough to see coming. So, so the market's somewhat soft right now and softening. This is the time you got to look to, to put a little chips back on your side of the table. And would you, uh, I mean, the consideration of switching more of your nitrogen to pre-plant urea versus anticipating a anhydrous drop for um, side dress. I mean, that's another element of that consideration, but there's no guarantees that side dress ammonia price is going to drop significantly if I hear what you said previously. That's that's exactly right. I, I, I... I don't see the ammonia prices dropping significantly enough to say it would it would justify waiting. Um, if you're going to catch a break in pricing, it will be the last week or two of pricing. So a purchase in June timeframe might be when you actually do it or very end of May. But to think that you'll book that, you know, now through March or now through April, very unlikely you'll see that price come off once we go to the field. Thank you. Yep. Hope that helps. Uh, Adam McKnight here um, in the kind of middle of the Red River Valley in Manitoba. For speaking about Western Canada, what are we looking for for supply and pricing for 1034.0 for planting timing? Yeah. Good, good question there. Uh, 1034-0, Zach, you might hit that one. It's, yeah, it's tight it's, overall, though. <laughs> the, the overall uh, market of 1034-0 has been tight since November. Um, it's been very hard to get producers that, that make the stuff to come to the marketplace with an active number. If they do have an active number, it's been, it's been you know, good for couple hours and then it's no longer accessible anymore until you know two three four weeks go by and they come out with a different number uh fossa acid cars have been extremely difficult to come come across they've been very close to the vest and that goes not only for canada that goes for the united states as well um i would say the same goes for ats for that matter if you, if you have a local market that seems to be pretty competitive um on ats and, and 1034.0 i would probably look at that um, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as Western Canada goes and the Red River Valley, it, it's not going to be easy the way it feels. It hasn't felt easy for the last three to four months. Um, and it continues to be a struggle to get pricing every day on that product specifically. Hopefully that answered your question. No, it's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem at all. Anybody else have any questions? Perfect. We are going to put a wrap on, on this grower call. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, this is uh, the wrap on the ADM Farm Direct Fertilizer Report for January 2022. Uh, please join us for our next report on February 16th. Until then, you can learn more at ADM uh, Fertilizer, excuse me, at fertilizer.admadvantage.com. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next month. Bye. You hang up. I'm still here. I guess if there is one more question, I apologize.